their faithlessness would have caused them to put God on trial. But indeed, it seemed to me that children of Israel, the people of Judah at that time, have a 21st century complex. That when things are going right in your life, when things are happening, when God has blessed you, when God has brought you out, when God has healed you, when God is allowing the resources to flow in at an all-time high, you have no need for God until God interrupts your program. My brothers and sisters, that's what's happening here in Micah chapter 6. The people have elevated. Where they were facing the point of execution in their ministry, now God has elevated them. God didn't allow them to go to battle. God went to battle on their behalf and allowed the Assyrians to move out of the way. And here we are in Micah chapter 6. And the people are experiencing life like it's golden. The people are just happy, happy, happy. Things are going well in Micah chapter 6. The people have persevered through a pandemic. Things are going well that, that though their financial breakthroughs almost broke down, somehow God had provided. Children were being born in Micah chapter 6. And the people got so full of themselves, like we do in church today, that we do everything and we give credit to everybody but God. Preachers, pastors, prophets, preaching about everything but the name of God. People lifting holy hands and no one has ever mentioned the name of God. You go to churches that are much larger than ours. And the people stand when the preacher, prophet, pastor walk into the room. But if someone said stand and give God a hand, there's a reason or an excuse. Preachers, pastors, prophets, Sister Mac, true preachers, true prophets, true pastors, ask people to pay their tithes and give their offerings, not to the preacher, but to God. And there is a reason or an excuse. But yet someone whose capacity is much larger than mine can slip into town and create $500, $1,000, $2,000 lines not to give to God but to give to themselves. And we'll be the first ones in line. Here we are living in a culture that is not popular to give God praise. But here it is, we live in a culture to complain about God. Oh, pastor, why won't God open the church back up so we can come back into the church? For what? So that we can sashay our way down the middle aisle and continue to do things that have held God in a box and held him hostage for the last 60-something years? And God, God never closed the church. Household pastor, did God close your eyes? This, 
this morning when you woke up? Did, did, did God not give you the mobility of your limbs to drive your car? Did God not give breath in your body? We as people of God are called to be the church. So if God never shut you off, he never shut the church off. If God never, if God never put you in your grave, then he never closed the church. If, if God never caused you to not know your right hand from your left hand, then the church is not closed. The building that we've created and cultivated as the church may be closed. But those of us who are called to be the church, God gives us grace and mercy to wake up to get it right where we've gotten it wrong for so long. And here the people of God have gotten a misunderstanding because God has elevated them and given to them physically. He's given to them financially. He's blessed them in a special way. And they are simply doing what their forefathers and foreparents have done time and time and time again. God takes them into bondage and brings them out. God takes them into bondage and brings them out. God breaks them down and blesses them. God burdens them and then lifts them. God hurts them, then he helps them. God raises his voice against the enemy and here they are in Micah chapter 6, turning their backs on God. And God, my brothers and sisters, is at a moment where God is beginning to get angry that God is simply saying in Micah chapter 6, hear what the Lord says. Rise and plead your case before the mountains. Let the hills hear your voice. Hear you mountains, the controversy of the Lord and your enduring foundations of the earth for the Lord has a controversy with his people. My brothers and sisters, that's the nice way that Michael's putting it in this courtroom because not only is God having controversy, God got a problem. God is upset. God is angry with his people. That God has been minding God's business. And the people have been complaining about God minding God's business. And finally, when God steps into their business, and takes care of their business, they leave. I wish some of you all would be called to be a preacher for about 10 seconds. Isn't it interesting, Brenda Davis, how church folk complain about stuff, and then when the pastor acts on the complaint, it seemed that the pastor standing there by himself left holding the bag. Isn't it interesting that, that people come to church and beg and plead with the church to do stuff and then when it finally gets done we can't find nobody and so now God is upset with God's people because God says how is it that I step in your burden turn your burden into a blessing turn your valley into a mountain and now you gone you giving praise to any and everybody else and so, my brothers and sisters, as Micah is expressing God's frustration to God's people, and it's what's interesting is God is asking the mountains. God is asking the earth to be his witness. Isn't it interesting that I wish if I had an opportunity or some gift to speak to things that don't speak back to us, 
If I was to come to your house and do an interview with the walls in your house and ask your walls about your devotion time, Ask your walls about your prayer time. Ask your walls how often you call on God. Ask your walls what does worship in your house look like. Ask your walls who you gossip with, who you talk to, who you talk about, what you talk about. Ask your walls what you spend. What would your walls say about you? God is simply saying, because the people won't listen, I must speak to the mountains. Simply asking, can I get a witness from the mountains? And the reason he has to ask this question as I rush home, he has to ask this question because the people of God are doing what church folk do, Reverend Witt. They play dumb. Now, please, please don't tune out. Please, let me go ahead and apologize. I'm not calling nobody dumb. However, shoe fit. But I'm not saying it. Please don't call Bishop Brown and say that I called you dumb. I didn't call you dumb. I said you play dumb. Because you got all kind of degrees on your wall and you still act like you don't know. You've been in church all your life and still don't act like you don't know how to pray. You, this, ain't the this ain't the first time politically we've dealt with a political figure lying to us about policies and procedures. This ain't the first time. That, that, that black folk have been told that they will not be able to vote for this ain't the first so stop playing like you've never been through this before and the people are trying to play with God so much so that God then reminds them and not only does he remind them Vena Davis he takes them all the way back to a point in their life that was so painful that they couldn't forget in chapter 6, verse 5, he says to them, he says, so y'all going to turn y'all back. This, this is what God is saying to him, Brother David. He says, so y'all going to turn y'all back on me? Oh, so, so, so this how you going to do me, me God? This this how you going to treat me, me God? Oh, so, so this how you going to act with me, me God? You, you're not going to invite me to the family reunion. You, you, you're not going to invite me to the, me God, the provider of food. You, this how you going to do me. He says, you're going to do me like this. But do you remember this place called Shittim? You know, it was the last camp. When y'all were in the wilderness and there were some who could not endure what was going on in Shittim that they turned and went back into the wilderness. But there are some of y'all who lived in the camp of depression. And I sent you across the Jordan River from Shittim to Gilgay. I take you from depression to destiny. Because you do know Gilgad was the first city that after they crossed the chilly waters of the Jordan, it was the first place in the promised land. So I took you from pain to promise and this is how you do me. I take you from hell to heaven. And this is how you do me. Y'all do know that's what church folk do. When I thought that church was designed to take folk from hell to heaven, but our churches are not empty because we're pretending to be heaven when we're in here raising all kind of hell. The, the church should be a place that delivers folk from hell 
not cause hell, not talk about folk, not raise hell. This ought to be the place we deliver. The church ought to be Gilgad and not Shittim. But too many of our churches are taking, and we wonder why so many preachers and pastors are quitting and committing suicide and are leaving churches and are, are, are turning their backs on God. It isn't because God don't love them and they don't love God. It's because we, the people of God, have stepped into Gilgad with a Shittim attitude. We brought our wilderness thinking into the promised land. And he simply tells the people in Micah chapter 6, you are operating in what you used to be. You are talking, you are acting like, you are looking like, which is why he takes them all the way back to pain and depression. He puts a mirror in front of them and says, this is how you're acting. You're acting in the wilderness, but you're living in the promised land. How does that make? God says, God says, he says, and I'm tired of it. And then, my brothers and sisters, I got to rush home. Not only is God tired of it, Sister Kanika Nevitt, not only is he tired, but check this out. The folk have the audacity to get smart with God. They didn't get smart with God, Pastor. Yes, they did. Pastor, they got smart with Micah. Yeah, but Micah was a representation of God. Well, Pastor, it wasn't God. It was my, I don't care. It was God. Everything that Micah said, God told him to say it. That's why I laugh at folks sometimes when they say certain stuff to me and about me. Because that's fine. I don't need to get you. I don't need to play get back with you. As long as I know that I'm operating on the unction and the authority of God, I ain't got to get you back. God going to get you back. I ain't got to talk about you. God got something for you. They have the audacity to get smart with God as if they've spent more time with God than Micah has. What do they say, Pastor? Not only do they get smart with God, Brother Chris, but here's where they get disrespectful and they play God. They treat God as if he's a physical being. And need I remind the church, there's nothing physical about God. What do you mean, Pastor? Ain't nothing physical about God. Yeah, the arm of the Lord shall touch me. The hand of God shall be. There's nothing physical about God. So stop saying, God, give me a house. Baby, God, don't be our heart and all the ones who build houses. Call them. Don't call God. God, God, we want you to finance our church. No, God, we don't want you to finance our church. We need Wells Fargo because that's who we pay every month to finance our church. So we need Wells Fargo. And when they finance us, then we need you to show up, God. They play with God. 
They treat God as if God is some genie in the bottle. Because here's what they say. They say, wait a minute, wait a, wait a minute, God. And here, here's what I like about church folk. And, and, they, and they're playing dumb right here, Sister Wanda David. And here's how I know they're really not dumb. Because if they were really dumb, they wouldn't have this conversation in verses 5 through 8. They know that God is upset with them. And they know that God is getting ready to respond in a way that they're not ready for God to respond. So they are trying to bribe God so that God doesn't punish them for them turning their backs on God. What do they do, Pastor? Here it is. Let me, let me, let me rush on and raise up out of here. He goes on to tell them, uh, what well, they go on to tell, they said, look, they said, look, man, look, look, Michael, go, go tell God, go tell God this. Uh, if we bring burnt offerings, will he leave us alone? Can we go back to drinking our Hennessy and our margaritas and have my party with our neighbors? Can, can, if, 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 we, if, if we give burnt offerings, can, can, we, can, can we continue to have our Halloween parties and, and play dress up? Some of us don't need to have Halloween parties because we play dress up every day. That ain't a part of my notes. I thought I'd just throw that in. Some of us come to church masking our pain, masking our hurt. You, you walking around spending money and all the reason you spending money because you talking about you need retail therapy because somebody on your job is getting on your nerve. No, what you need to do is go apply for a new job. If it's that bad that it's causing you to be broke and your credit score to be down. You don't need no retail therapy. You need therapy therapy. If you're going to spend some money, spend some money, go call somebody, go talk to them. Lay on the couch. Didn't they say, Michael somewhere gives them what I call this strange look. When they say, do we got to give burnt offering to God? And they know they know they wrong, Sister Pearl, man. Because not only do they say, do we need to give burnt offering to God? Well, what about the calves that are a year old? What 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 if we what if we take the ram like they did like our foreparents did in the old church and and and, and created a sacrificial offering? Then he gives them he gives them this 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 real strange look. They say, okay, well if you don't want one, what if I give you a thousand? Will God leave us alone? No, that ain't gonna work. Well, okay, if I can't give them a thousand rams, then 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 what about? The oil that when we were down in the valley and we were so pressed and crushed, the oil filled up the vat. We've got, we got good oil. We got 10,000 rivers of oil. God don't care how anointed. You can, listen, you got folk who are pretending to be anointed and God never gave them the anointing. And they want to live life and they want to participate in the world's riches so much so that they're willing to give up their oil. One of these days I'm going to circle back to this and talk about don't give away your anointing. 
They want to give God back God's anointing because they are loving, living life on the wrong side. And check this out. Not only do they want to sacrifice their anointing, they want to sacrifice their children, Vena Davis. They say, they say, shall I give my firstborn, verse number seven, shall I give my firstborn for my trade? Shall I give my children for what I've done wrong? Somebody, I wish I was in, I wish I was living in, in, in Israel at the time. I'd have called the defects of Israel on them. These folk over here, they so drunk, they so high, they talking about giving away their children. They, they, their minds so messed up, they want to give their children. That's why we as church people, we got to be careful at what we do. Because there are generational curses that we may get through, but our children can't handle. Because they don't possess the anointing and the capacity to handle it. That's why I pray every day, Lord, please don't let, please don't let Trey be crazy like your dad. I know I'm crazy. My daddy crazy. And his daddy will probably be crazy, and, and daddy before him will probably be crazy. It's just in me. But I thank God for mercy. That I got a mild case of the craziness. Don't y'all tell my dad I said that. But they are so willing to bargain with God that they're willing to give away their children. And then they simply say, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. They want to give up their investments. They want to give up their clothes and their cars because they need their souls met. And Micah is sick of them trying to cheat God. And Micah raises up and he says, has he told you, O mortal, what is good? And they answered him, well, if God don't want any of that from us, what does the Lord require of us? God don't want your money. He don't want your oil. He don't, you don't even want your children. So what makes you think God wants your nappy-headed children? God don't want your husband. You don't even want him. What makes you think God wants him? He says there are three things that if you're going to be who I called you to be, why do I have to constantly remind you to do this? What is it, Pastor? He says you got to love justice. Meaning, here it is, everything that is not of God, you should curse it. Everything that, that, that harms God people, you ought to curse it. Everything that stops God people from being who God has called them to be, you ought to have a problem with it. Everything, everything that is standing in between God's people and God's blessing, you ought to be marching for it. And that's why I don't, I don't like pretend pro-black folk who only want to make black live matter signs and only want to create t-shirts when white folk kill us, but when we kill us, it's a problem. When white folks stand in a courtroom and talk about us, it's a problem. But when we get in a, on a telephone and on Facebook and talk about each other, it's cool. 
when 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 white folk wanna wanna cut welfare and cut health insurance and don't wanna give us what we but when they won't give us our forty acres and a mule, we got a problem with white folk. But when we pull up at Dollar General and a man stand outside and he asks you for a dollar, you turn your nose up at him. But you say black lives matter. No, no, baby, your life matter. And if that's the case, if you want to be selfish, be selfish with your selfish self. But stop pretending to be what you're not. And that's what he tells the people of God. Need I remind you that God's not going to bless you because you're pretending to be something that you're not. Love justice. Not only does he tell them to do justice, and to, and to love justice, he says, love mercy. And he puts love and mercy in the same sentence. Two words that really shouldn't coexist. But they do, love and mercy. Because when you love something, no matter whether it's right or wrong, you're going to have mercy for it. See, I, I, I sometimes as a pastor, Brother Chris, have to possess love mercy. You see what I'm saying? I have to love God and I have to love God's people even when they mistreat me, even when they talk about me, even when they step on me, even when they pray all kind of prayers against me. I still got to love them and forgive them. That's what mercy is. He tells the people, need I remind you that the only way you've made it is because God has loved you and God has had mercy on you. But you keep playing with mercy. Lord, have mercy. And he said, don't play with mercy. You keep testing God if you want to. Need I remind you that some of us only woke up this morning because of mercy. Because if you were to stand in the courtroom of Micah and be judged on something you did yesterday, I'd be getting ready for your funeral. If I judge you based on what you said about somebody yesterday, I'll be preparing for your funeral. But yet mercy woke you up this morning. Mercy is what started you on your way. Mercy is what lifted you. Mercy is what's keeping you. Mercy is what's covering you. Mercy is what's shielding you. And you got to love mercy. And the reason you ought to love mercy is because the only reason you are making it is because of mercy. So how dare you get mad at somebody? God ain't get mad at you. How dare you talk about somebody? God ain't talking about you. How dare you mistreat somebody? God didn't mistreat you. How you take something from somebody God didn't take anything from you he says you've got to do justice love mercy but check this out here's where he knocks their sock off he says need I remind you that y'all are sitting here bragging about all this stuff y'all have God doesn't want your stuff and the reason God don't want it is because God already owned it So he urges them thirdly and finally, he says, need I remind you to what? Walk humbly. You need to walk humbly. And I wish my grandmama was here. My grandmama wouldn't call it humbly. My grandmama would say, baby, you better walk light. You better tread lightly. 
Why? Because the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. He, he says, he says, Job says, naked I came. In, in, I came into this world with nothing. Which means no matter what kind of investment I make on Wall Street, when that great getting up day come, my dividends can't go with me. I don't care how many pair of, of Gucci shoes, Alexander McQueen shoes, Chanel shoes. I'm giving y'all my Christmas list, by the way. No matter how many pairs of fancy shoes and bags I have in my closet, when I leave him, it can't go with me. So, baby, I just stopped by to tell somebody, need I remind you, you can walk around like you all that and some. But when you are in the presence of God, God knows who you really are. You, 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 you can act like, you can act all holy on your job and you can post all the scriptures in your office that you want to. You can, you can put all the Bibles on your dashboard, but God knows who you really are. You, 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 you can walk around with your little jars of oil that I gave you, but God knows who you really are. You, you, you can put on all the suits you want and all the dresses and all the big church hats and you, you can quote all the hymns that you want to quote, but God knows who you really are. And, and, and you, you can, you can pretend like though you've been a member of the West Side Church for 20 years, you can act like you ain't never did no wrong, but God knows who you really are. So every now and again, you ought to have a flashback and remember that you went some places you shouldn't have went and just humble yourself. Remember you said some stuff you shouldn't have said and humble yourself. Remember that God delivered you from some stuff. He broke open some doors for you. He closed some doors for you. He protected you from some people. He protected you from some get back that should have got you back because you had no business being there in the first place. God has a way 